Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk, recording the earliest episode we've ever recorded, 10.20 a.m. More importantly, though, this is episode 100. Woo! Yay, episode 100. It is pretty much meaningless to us as it is to you. So, no, but I mean, we've been doing this for 100 episodes. That's a, it's a good mile marker. Congratulations, Mark. Hey, you too. Thank you. you know, that's that's 100. That's all. I mean, I'd say, how many episodes have we done together? Probably like 90, 93, 92, something like that. Yeah, at least. Most of them have been, yeah, maybe 95. Most of them have definitely been uh, the two of us. Maybe a couple of had some guests on there in substitution, a couple solo episodes, but we have been chugging strong for about a year and a half now. And so thank you for listening, making it worth recording. Although even if nobody was listening, we would just do this anyways, because we love hockey and we like to talk about it. That's true. So we talk about it in front of a microphone or at a bar. So why not in front of a microphone? Um, So on today's show, to celebrate our 100th anniversary, 100th, <laughs> our 100th episode anniversary. No, we we have not been going strong since 1918. It's uh, you know, we're, we're, when the NHL begun, that's when our great grandfathers got together and recorded <laughs> the first radio show. Right back when Seattle used to have a team. Uh, what do you think of Sidenity? <laughs> Joe Malone out there, eh? Scored seven goals last night. <laughs> I think they should be able to pass the puck forward. <laughs> that was a real thing. No, it was, yeah. So it's just uh, funny. Well, uh, so today's show, we're going to go through every team in the NHL, kind of just do some quick hits. And as we go into Christmas time, what all these teams could use for a Christmas present. You know, that's uh, So whether that be a trade, whether that be a, a free agent signing, uh, maybe it's a, a coach, a coaching firing. You know, maybe that's maybe mm. that's as good as a trade. Sometimes you know, it is. I, yeah. I think uh, you you saw it in Philadelphia. I think that it was as good as a as good as a trade. And in Edmonton too. My goodness. Yep. Oh yeah. For for sure in Edmonton. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Ken Hitchcock was uh, a nice early Christmas gift, like a Thanksgiving gift for them. They've been they've been rolling since uh, Hitcher came in there. So. Uh, so we are going to just go down the standings from top to bottom. Usually we start at the bottom, and now we're going to start at the top. And uh, we will. Uh, what what kind of criteria did you use, or will you use to uh, to determine what a team needs? Well, I kind of focus in on every area of the game, right? So look at the defense, look at the forwards, goaltending, and really just kind of weigh it, and you know, throw in the coaching, throw in the GM, whatever have you, and say, man, where do where do they need the most help at? What what would be most beneficial for this team right now? And that's why we're starting at the top because yeah. that's the easy part. It really is. I mean, Tampa Bay is eight points up on everybody in the league, fifty six points to Toronto and Winnipeg's forty eight. So I mean, you look at Tampa Bay in in first, Los Angeles in thirty first. Tampa Bay has more than double their points. That is that is Ouch. impressive. At this point in the season, that is that is impressive. Uh, a plus forty five goal differential, and it's they've scored what eighteen more goals than the next team. That's which I mean, over the course of only playing one extra game, that's that's very impressive as well. Uh, Fifteen and four at home and twelve three and two on the road. Nine zero and one in their last. 10 games. Yeah, not too so, bad. So could uh, be better, but could be better. Could be better. <laughs> they couldn't might have not lost that one game in OT. Uh, but anyway, so let's start off with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Steve Eiserman built team that someone else is going to get credit for. 
<laughs> when they probably win the Stanley Cup. Uh, what does this team need? Maybe it's not what does this team need because in reality you look at them and they don't really need much. But what is what would this team like? Honestly, um, to me, a backup goaltender. Um, I like Louis Domingue. He's all right, but you know, 19 games and 904 save percentage, almost a. I mean, literally a 2.99 goals against average in that span. And I think for a team that has this kind of offensive firepower and for a starter, Vasilevsky, who's been known to, you know, maybe get a little fatigued. He's got, you know, had a couple injuries over the last few seasons. I think it would be beneficial for them to have, you know, a more reliable backup. I think that would be, that'd be a great Christmas gift for them. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You can't disagree. Although Louis Domingue, despite his, uh, his statistic line, he is 15 and four. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he's uh, at this point, he has, he's up there with, you know, the tops of the goaltenders and wins. And uh, he, he played fine when, uh, yeah, he was good enough when Vasilevsky was out, but uh, they did put up a lot of goals while he was, while he was down. And, and I mean, that just goes to show though, that this team, you know, they're able to go, all right, well, we don't have, the all-world goaltender back there for us right now and so we need to score more goals and they rose to the occasion um what i think that this team could also use uh is actually a little bit of adversity more than just more than just a goaltender going down uh it it seems to me that when a team rolls through the regular season I mean, hey, there's been a team that won 62 games in the regular season and didn't make it past the conference finals. So, 96 Red Wings. Yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, to me, I I think a little bit of adversity, not in injuries, but just just in, you know, teams come prepared to play you or, you know, or you get into kind of just the humdrum of the season and you go into a little bit of a losing streak or uh, maybe goals are harder to come by for whatever reason. And to fight that and snap through that, I think can uh, can pay dividends in the playoffs because then you get into the playoffs and you know goals are going to dry up at some point. It's just inevitable because teams clamp down so hard. And so I, I think you want to see this team have to win some uh, one 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 nothing two one kind of games as opposed to a lot of these five four four two types of uh, types of matches. And so uh, I think. Adversity would be, you know, teams teams really showing up and giving Tampa Bay everything they have. I mean, I I just look at, you know, and maybe it's just Tampa's so freaking good, but you know, you have a team like Toronto comes in. They're the second place team in the league right now, and Tampa was able to really just score on them at will at a couple points, and 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 really Toronto had outplayed Tampa, but Tampa got a couple a couple goals. Where they maybe shouldn't have, and you know, at least right. made four mistakes, and all four of those goals Tampa scored on. I mean, when you look at this team, their top scores: Kucherov fifteen point five, Brandon Point twenty two point three, Steven Stamkos seventeen, Tyler Johnson eighteen point two, and Yanni Gord fifteen point two percent, Anthony Sorelli fourteen point five percent, Matthew Joseph sixteen point four percent, and Palat thirteen point eight percent. Cedric Paquette, 19.5%. I mean, those are some high shooting percentages. And those will come down. Oh, absolutely. And so that's 
to me, you just want to see them uh, kind of fight through yeah. some of that. Let's remember, too, that that game against Toronto, Vasilevsky stood on his head. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And that <laughs> Career is... Career high in saves. That's the other, you know, that's the other side of it is that when you do have a guy like that, you can have an off night and it's okay. And that's usually the difference between a great team and a good team. Right. Okay, well, let's go to the Toronto Maple Leafs where I think this answer is a, maybe a little more obvious uh, since, you know, I follow the team very closely. Yeah, you I, go first. I'll go. I'll go yeah. first. Uh, obviously, everybody knows that this team needs another center. Just that's center. A, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. Because <laughs> Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Nazem Kadri is not enough. And uh, in reality, I mean, this team needs a top four D. Preferably, they could use a top pairing defenseman, uh, but. It, really, what team in the NHL outside of Tampa Bay isn't like, well, yeah, we would love to have another top top defenseman, top pairing D-man. Uh, but I think a top a top four defenseman is what the Leafs need. And when you I mean when you go down the the list of guys available who have been thrown out, I mean a Colton Pareko and a Alex Petrangelo, their names have been floating around a lot. Uh, Jay Bomeister is another one, which I just don't. I, I wouldn't touch him. I don't know if that's a you know that's a guy that you want. I I did see somebody suggest Alex Edler. Uh, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. It was somebody. It was no. It was an article on TSN, and they were talking about oh you know maybe Alex Edler would be a good fit. And I remember writing an article way back when I was writing for Hockey Buzz for the Florida Panthers, and they. I suggested this, that, you know, Alex Edler would be a good player to come from Vancouver to go to Florida because Florida could use a player like that. And I remember just getting blasted because people were like, Alex Edler's never leaving Vancouver. He said it. He's never leaving. Right. And people just, I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it just, it's just an idea. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, I, from the vibe that I've gotten, Alex Edler moving anywhere seems very unlikely. He also has a full no move. And... My guess is that playing in Vancouver is pretty fun right now, even though they're not necessarily winning it a ton. They're at least a more highlight kind of team. You know, they they do win some good games, some high-scoring affairs. And I think that Alex Edler would rather probably be a part of the solution rather than just being dealt off. Although, you got to think, maybe they go, look, like, we'll gladly sign you in the offseason. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll bring you right back, but... Let's trade you and get some get some assets. I, I don't think that he would go for much more than mid-round picks at this point. Maybe a second-round pick. Uh, I can't imagine he gets more than... What, didn't Evander Kane, he only got a second-round pick at the deadline, right? No, he got a first. Did he get a first? It was a conditional, but... Who was it that got only got a second-round pick last year at the deadline? I can't remember, Ooh. but... Uh, anyway, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think that he would go for a first unless the, the price was, was driven crazy high, but I, I know other names thrown around like... Nicholas Cronwall or, you know, maybe, I mean, I guess you, you could say, well, the Leafs are going to not be able to sign Jake Gardner. And so maybe just their, their acquisition for the off season or for the playoffs is the fact that they're going to keep their UFA. I don't know. I, I think that they have to go out and, and try something though. So, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think D is where, or the Christmas wish list would be, that would be at the top for them. Now, I, I, like we talk about, you know, Jake, Jake Gartner, right? 
I think because of the contract situation, he most likely won't return. I because I, I do think he's gonna he's gonna get a little bit more money in the free agent market, and I don't think Toronto's gonna be able to keep him. However, I think what would be really interesting to do would be to move somebody with a little bit of money who could viably go to a team that, for instance, like I'll kind of segue this into the number three team in the league, Winnipeg, for example. I believe that their top priority their, on their wish list would be to get a number two center. Somebody who can play with Patrick Laine, someone with speed, a good two-way game. And I think for Toronto and Winnipeg, a good matchup would be a Tyler Myers slash Kadri swap. Mm. Mm. But then who does that... See, the Leafs have had kind of trouble filling the fourth line center spot. Right. Par Lindholm has been okay. But if they were to deal Kadri, then that really leaves you with a hole in your third line. No, I agree. And, and I, I think maybe if you do it early enough, you have time to go out and maybe first off, see if maybe, you know, you can fill it internally. And then if not, you can try to make a move before the deadline to get somebody, um, you know, not necessarily anybody of high value, but, you know, maybe you could go a little bit further down to, um, you know, gosh, who would be, you know, a good plug in there. Um, uh, well, a center. Looking, maybe go, I, I don't know, maybe go to Chicago and see if you can't, you know, give him a fourth round pick for Marcus Kruger or something. Yeah, I don't know, maybe but. you can, maybe you can, I mean, Kevin Hayes is a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, maybe throw a Rangers. second round pick at that, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got 27 points in 33 games, but that's playing on a bad team, playing a lot of minutes. So, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some possibilities. Uh, I don't see. I mean, an Eric Stahl would be a great, a great acquisition at the deadline again. But yeah, that that's going to be tough. I think if if Minnesota doesn't get a deal done, they're going to move him because I don't, I still don't see Minnesota being a playoff team. So yeah, and and when we when we shift to Winnipeg, uh, I agree that it's that the Peter the Paul Stastny that came in last year right. that really put that team up and over the top probably what allowed them to beat Nashville and unfortunately some I, I still don't know how the Vegas beat Winnipeg last year I don't either that's yeah that'll I, I think Winnipeg goes to the Stanley Cup finals they probably beat Washington and they win the cup if they could have gotten past that that team so uh, yeah so it's like they need to refill the hole that they lost by uh, losing Stassi I mean and Eric Stahl would be a a great acquisition for them too i actually i mean if if minnesota isn't isn't in the hunt come come the end of it i mean they're how many points are they back they're eight points back of uh the division and three points back of the wild card so i highly doubt they're giving up yet but they're three and seven in their last ten they're really struggling away from home seven and nine and uh they just can't seem to uh they're, they're a very middling team yep and that's exactly what we predicted them to be and so uh does a team like winnipeg who really has kind of become a rival for them uh but does that make sense to start trying to look for a home for eric Stahl? and uh, maybe do we see his name pop up a little more here i mean even a guy like Eric Fair, who can play in that fourth line, he's doing all right. He's got nine points in 34 games so far this season. So, I mean, playing limited minutes, but a guy who can step in and, and fill out the rest of your lineup. I mean, I think that there's there's some options that uh, that a team like Minnesota has. And, you know, new management there, and 
we'll see what uh, what they ultimately end up doing. But Winnipeg definitely needs that top six forward. I, I think I think that's really what it is. Just if they can add a top six forward, they go from being one of these teams that's kind of in the second group of really good teams to maybe being able to compete with Tampa Bay because I think they do have the defense to compete with Tampa Bay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bufflin the other day got a breakaway. Did you see that? Yeah. It was too, I yeah. didn't know he had those kind of wheels left. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that defensively speaking, you go, all right, Winnipeg, Nashville, and Tampa Bay are kind of in, in the same grouping together. Sure. And then it really falls off. I think it falls off significantly from there because most teams don't have that great, you know, all three lines of, of defense having a really good player on it is just very rare in the league nowadays. And so maybe San Jose, maybe you could maybe you know you can make the argument, but uh, and with having Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, if if Eric Carlson were Eric Carlson of like four years ago, three years ago, then we'd be talking. But yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, let's move to the Flames, the Calgary Flames, yeah, the Calgary Flames. Surprising to see them this high in the standings, to be quite honest. I'm excited about it. It's it's good. I, I, I like it when you kind of get a little shake up every year where there's like one team that just surprises you, you know, and another team that obviously disappoints you. But, uh, you know, like last year with Colorado was great. It was I loved watching that top line just roll through. Sure. And this year it's great to see Calgary get their mojo going. Love watching Kachuk and Monaghan and Goudreau. Those guys are fun to watch. Yeah, so what does this team need? Uh, for me, this team needs a James Neal to catch fire. That That is at tops for them right Seven now. Seven points and three goals in 35 games. Yeah. That's a disgrace. Uh, yeah, for the money they're paying him, and I think that third line could, could definitely use that offensive boost. I mean, not to say it isn't producing very well, but you know when you're paying that guy to, to produce for you and he's not really doing it, let's, let's get her going there, James Neal, and this team could really be a threat in the playoffs if they were able to roll three solid forward lines like that. Yeah, yep, I I can see that. Uh, I think the other thing that this team could use, man, you know, the goaltending is is strange because, you know, David Riddich has come in. They've both played 20 games. Uh, Mike Smith has started 19. David Riddich has started 17. And, I mean... Mike Smith has been the inferior goaltender all year long. Uh, but it's almost like they keep trying to push Mike Smith back into that starting spot. Like, all right, you're our guy. You're our guy. Right. Wait, no, 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 you're not our Bill guy. Bill Peters, get it together. He's not your guy anymore. He, Yeah, I mean, at this point, it, it seems as though you got to maybe tip your hat towards David Riddich. But maybe it's just they're going to ride both these guys and see how they do down the stretch. Uh, I think that there does need to come some stabilizing moment in at the goaltending position. And whether that's maybe that's just some sort of shakeup on the defensive side. Uh, I mean, they did quite a bit to their top nine group of forwards over the off season, bringing in James Neal and a Derek Ryan. And, and that, that really changed the face of their, the depth of bringing in Elias Lindholm as well, who has, 38 points in 36 games. Not so, bad. I mean, I think what Elias Lindholm's career high in points, I think something like 45 points. Yeah, 45 points in 2016-17. He had 11 goals and 34 assists. So, he's 7 points away from that and he's played half the games. He played 72 games that year. So, I and mean, Lindholm's just found his spot and uh, they're they're using him really well and so 
yeah, it's just uh, overall you think defensive help, but not necessarily a, a defenseman, but you just need somebody who can help keep the, you know, drive the play the opposite direction. So whatever that looks like for the Flames, that's, that's I think, what they could lose. Also, I think out of any team at the top of the standings, this is the team with the most, uh, them and Buffalo have the most potential to just go kaboom at any yeah, point. Yeah, there you go. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Okay, let's go to the Nashville Predators. The Predators. The Nashville Predators. So Nashville has, uh, you know, when we obviously we had we picked them to be high up on the standings, and they've uh, kind of struggled lately, five four and one in their last ten. Uh, but they they you know just keep humming right along. Uh, really, the biggest problem in Nashville, in my mind, is PK Subban, who's really struggled. Okay, and. Uh, with with this like weird injury, right? He's mm-hmm. kind of and and so that's 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 more what I'm it's struggling in the sense that he's I think he's hurt and there hasn't been much talk about it. Whereas you know if it was if we were playing in Montreal, right? And <laughs> it'd I, be all over the place. But that's 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 similar for me. And I think my my need for the Predators is just health in general, not just for PK Subban, but um, you know you got Philip Forsberg out right now. He's a few weeks away from being, you know, 100%, well, just coming back in general, you know, Kyle Turris has missed time. And so you haven't really, Victor Arvidsson is out right now. Yeah. You haven't really seen this whole IR on fantasy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still 10 and 0 by the way, but we won't talk about that. Wow. Um, Yeah. Um, So Nashville to me, you haven't really seen the real Nashville yet because they haven't all really been healthy. You know, it's, I, I mean, it's kind of like Arizona last year. While like they maybe had twenty games where they had their whole entire decor healthy together. So right, right. You know we, you know the real Nashville Predators. What they could really do, I think, you know, will be, will be worth watching once they're all healthy. And so hopefully that comes sooner rather than later for this team because you know they could make some waves in the standings. And yeah, I mean it seems like every team has a player who's averaging a point per game, and Nashville has none. None. Yeah. And yet they're fifth in the league. Right now in, in points. And I mean, yeah, even a guy like Philip Forsberg, who normally I think we'd say, hey, 22 points in 26 games, that's like a 60-something point season. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's good enough now. No. Like with, with what, 25 players averaging more than a point per game. Forsberg is one of those guys, I look at him, and I always want more from him. I feel like he could be an 80, 90-point player every year, but he just... I don't. I don't know. Maybe if it's the team around him, he just doesn't like. Maybe Ryan Johansson just isn't a good enough playmaker for him. Even though Johansson puts up good numbers. Um, well, maybe maybe, maybe it's just the system that they they really try to roll all four lines, and so sure. it's uh, definitely they're they're playing for they're playing to win, right? Like, not that everyone else isn't playing to win, but Nashville really does not have a like, hey, we'll pat let's pat our stats kind of kind of feel. Obviously, when you look top to bottom, I mean, you've got. Uh, most of their team has at least ten points coming back, so uh, they're they'll be fine. But what could they use? What could Nashville use? Oh boy! Just outside of the health factor, I think. Just uh, man, I, I I don't really know. I I think I think the team's good. I just for me, it's just getting healthy, and I think finding a way to you know get guys going a little bit more offensively. And I think, like you said, maybe, you know, PK Subban getting healthy kind of jumpstarts that a little bit more because when you got so many other players at a point per game right now and you got teams that are, you know, scoring at, you know, goals per game 
average higher than they ever have been. It would be nice to see Nashville pick it up. They seem to be like one of the teams that just isn't really scoring more goals than they're, they're used to scoring, I guess. Yeah, this is a team that I would love. If, if Dallas is has somehow find their, found their way out of the playoffs by mm-hmm. the trade deadline, this is a team I'd love to see acquire Jason Spezza. Spezza, okay. I think that he would be a great fit on this team. I think that he could just blend in in the background. He could be that veteran presence. The way that you hear Tyler Sagan talk about Jason Spezza, I think that he could come in and just provide a, a little shift in the locker room. I like it. So we'll see. I really like that. Uh, okay, let's go to the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Washington Capitals. Uh, they have scored the third most goals in the NHL, tied with the, the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and just behind Calgary. Oh, I lied. Maybe like the fifth most goals. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So obviously they're they kind of struggled a little bit early on first twelve like twelve to fifteen games and then just really went on a roll here in the next twenty and they're seven three in their last ten. Ovechkin is getting a hat trick every other game. And you know what is amazing? I actually our last show when we predicted the different position, I said I picked Ovechkin for the Maurice Rocker shard, and I said it's because he's just going to go and get a bunch of hat tricks, and he did, and then he did. (laughs) He listened to the show. He he heard. He does. That's uh, you know Alex Ovechkin, friend of the show. Uh, (laughs) So, what does the Washington Capitals need in order to repeat? I would like to see another good puck moving defenseman on the back end. I think that's probably their biggest need, although that's easier said than done because finding good puck moving defensemen are very expensive, very hard to come by. Teams will not give them up. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe they go out and try to get, you know, that Jacob Truba from Winnipeg. Yeah, even though if I was Winnipeg, I wouldn't deal him unless you're sending back a center, which Washington does not have any to send back. Um, although I heard have heard rumblings that Andre Barakovsky might be on the market because Washington is a little disappointed with his production, eight points through 30 games. So maybe there's a trade chip you could throw in to get a good defenseman. But uh. maybe a Nicholas Cronwell comes over. Um, he wouldn't be a bad acquisition, a guy who could play you know, in your number four or five spot, um, provide some veteran leadership. He can still move the puck a little bit, still put up some points. You know, good enough for you, but to me, that's that's their biggest need because outside of John Carlson, they're really not getting a lot of production from the back end. I I want to see this team go out and acquire Gustav Nyquist. Nyquist, ooh, I, okay. I think that you can you can afford at this point. You've you've now won your Stanley Cup, so and and I think there's something to be said about taking a shot at repeating. And in order to repeat, I think that this team needs to add a an offensive presence and Nyquist probably the, the best scoring winger on the Red Wings. Uh, I mean, he's got 31 points in 36 games. He's done extremely well. And I think you, you give up your first round pick and I I think that's really maybe a first and a third for Nyquist. That's probably all you're going to need to give up. Not that that's, no, I don't, I think even a first could probably get it done. So, to me, well, and and I think that some other team out there would go. Well, we'd give a first for Nyquist as well. Yeah, sure. And so I think you're going to have to go Nike a first plus a little something. Maybe it's a mid level prospect. Uh, the Red Wings certainly could use a defensive prospect, and so maybe maybe that's more what the Red Wings would like to acquire for Nyquist. But uh, haven't heard anything about him being extended by the Red Wings. So you got to think that they're going to use him as as bait 
here to help rebuild, which they yeah. could always bring him back. Sure. Uh, he's, he's done well in Detroit, but I think that he could go and he could play uh, on that second line with, uh, with Kuznetsov. And TJ Oshie. And TJ Oshie and look real good. Or he can even play on that third pairing, that third line. and, and Lars Eller. Help to fill out that. Yeah, I mean, a Lars Eller, Nyquist, that suddenly gives you some three very, very dangerous-looking options. And so that's that's who I'd like to see them require. Okay, let's go to the Buffalo Sabres, probably the most surprising team here in the top ten so far this season. Yeah, I, w- I would not disagree with you. I I barely pegged them to make the playoffs, let alone be a, basically be a bubble team. And man, that acquisition of Jeff Skinner, that first line, um, I, I read something yesterday. Eichel, Skinner, and Reinhardt, that top line has scored a goal in I think it's it's like seven straight games, and they've scored 11 out of the last 13 goals for the Buffalo Sabres. So they're rolling. Um, it's nice to see Rasmus Dahlin. He's starting to come into his own. He's he. You see him more and more every single game now. He's he's starting to look like that number one pick and starting to yep. to 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 be that number one defenseman that this team is hoping he could be. But I think for me, I I would like to see a little bit of depth um, at the forward position. I think. Don't get me wrong. I that top line's great. But once you get past that, you know Jason Pomneville, He's you know he's thirty three years old and he's still producing fairly well. Uh, Akposo, he's been okay. Connor Sheary, I wouldn't mind a little bit more out of him in middle stat as well. So I think maybe finding a little production for that secondary scoring would be great. Yeah, I think as hard as it might be to move twice in a in a season, I think that Carl Haglin would be a good uh, player to identify for the Buffalo Sabers because Haglin has decent speed. Mm-hmm. And he can come in and he doesn't, I mean, he hasn't played great this year. He only has five points in 21 games. Uh, he's playing for a brutal L.A. team. And I think maybe given some new life, he might be able to, you know, he gets put on that third line in Buffalo, gives him a little bit of depth, and uh, he could he could come cheap. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Fill in that, that terminated contract of Patrick Berglund's too. Eh, so. There you go. There you go. So, uh, yeah, my other my other thing that I'd say for Buffalo is that if you can't get something cheap, be patient because you you don't you're not going to win this year. No, no, and that's and that's okay. This is this is a a great evolution of your team. Just enjoy it. Colorado Avalanche, uh, nineteen eleven and six. They are scoring almost at will and uh, one hundred and twenty five goals in thirty six games. What do the Colorado Avalanche need in order to win a Stanley Cup? To win a Stanley Cup, that might be a little bit more difficult uh, to find. I think probably fill in on the back end a little bit. Um, yeah, and keep that top line healthy, let's be honest, because they've been doing all the, most of the scoring for this team. Um, gosh, it's it's insane when you look at point per game for McKinnon and Rantanen, 1.61, 1.53 points insane. per game. Insane. Just nasty. I, I did see that Rantanen is the first player. How many? He has, he has what, like uh, 58 points. Yeah, in right 36 now. games. And he's and he had 58 and 35, I think. Yeah, probably. He just didn't get a point in their last game, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> he was the first player since, you know, like there's uh, since the 90s or the 80s or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's been all these players, or 88, there's been all these players who have had 58 points in 35 games. Mario Lemieux, Yermir Yager, and Sidney Crosby. Oh, boy. All penguins. <laughs> And so he's the first non-penguin player to do it since you know Gretzky or something, right? Like something since the '80s when everybody did it. Goodness, um, yeah. I, Colorado to me, obviously, they need something outside of that top line 
come playoff time, someone's going to shut them down. It just it just happens. Yeah, and Carl Soderberg's been all right, 22 points in 36 games. You know, much better than I thought he would be doing. But, you know, that's Carl Soderberg. I mean, can you really rely on him to carry the load if, you know, like you say, some other team shuts down that top line? To me, this is where it's time to, for Colorado, it is time to make a bold move. They're, they have been very, very calculated. Obviously, we saw that with the Duchesne trade. And, we, and hey, a good on Joe Sackick. He got a King's Ransom for Matt Duchesne. And, uh, and to his credit, though, Matt Duchesne has proven that he's worth every worth it. I mean, he's been a phenomenal addition for the Ottawa Senators. They would be in last if it weren't for Matt Duchesne. Yeah, as long as they can lock him up long term, that's a, a great trade. And, and it for them. sounds like I think I think that they will. Uh, to me, two players: Jordan Eberle, Mark Stone. You go out and you do what you need to do to acquire one of those two players. Because my guess, Mark Stone, he's not resigning in Ottawa. Boy, you know, and I've heard too that Duchesne is only going to sign in Ottawa if Stone stays there because those two have such good chemistry together. Well, so we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens with Duchesne yeah. and them but uh Jordan Eberle to me he has he's not looked as good as he did last year mm-hmm. but Jordan Eberle could I think come up and really no attention would be on him in Colorado. He he you know he's played in that uh in the Western Conference before. I think that he would be a good fit, even if it was just as a rental. I think Jordan he wouldn't be Eberle, that expensive either. He shouldn't be. No, I, I think you might have to give up a, a a first round pick for him. Maybe I could see a second and a prospect to get him. Yeah, yeah, would be great. That's fair, and I think that Colorado has built up enough to where to where that is a possibility. The other thing I'd love to see them do is just go out and get Artemi Panarin and call it a day. But wow, that would be disgusting. Uh, to San Jose, who uh, maybe did all their acquiring in the off season with their Carlson, but uh, what could San Jose use? Boy, uh, they could use the old Eric Carlson. Let's just be yeah, honest. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I mean, he, he has been better. He did struggle quite a bit early on. I mean, 24 points in 36 games, only two goals, a 1.6 per shooting percentage. Yep. So, yeah, it's uh, the whole shooting, just shooting the puck at will from the blue line doesn't really work anymore for whatever reason. Uh, Brent Burns also a 3.4% shooting percentage. I mean, between Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, they have shot the puck 230 times, and they've scored six times. That's that's awful. <laughs> so whereas whereas uh, Logan Couture has shot the puck 95 times and has 13 goals. <laughs> Timo Meyer 113 times with 18 goals. So I mean, obviously those guys are getting into some better positions to shoot the puck, but there goes my point. These guys need to get in better positions to shoot the puck because of the whole shooting it from the point, which is what really what used to be. You know, when San Jose's power play was rolling and Brent Burns was up for the Norris, they were just feeding it back to him and he was wiring shots in. And you had Joe Thornton down low, who was always a threat to make a great pass and was often feeding Brent Burns with those one timers. And and things have just changed on the power play and you need to be a little more versatile than that. So, yeah, an old Derek Carlson. I like it for San Jose. Let's go to Anaheim. Anaheim. Ah, yes. This is a team that I think could use some scoring. And I've been. I've said it for years. I always thought this trade would happen at some point. It never panned out because uh, Kenny Holland had always had an eye on Cam Fowler for the longest time, and now all of a sudden he's not going anywhere at Anaheim. But Gustav Nyquist to Anaheim to Mm. maybe bring back a little bit of 
defenseman, you know, a younger guy, maybe, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe a Josh Manson or somebody, but that would, that would be my ideal trade if I was, you know, Kenny Holland to try to rip one of their D from them to, to help rebuild that decor in Detroit. But yeah, um, Anaheim, they need some scoring. I think, you know, they've been getting a lot of, a lot of puck luck lately. I don't know how they're winning games. I still, they're an, an anomaly to me, how they're still at that top of a position in the West. I, I don't understand it. So, yeah. Uh, I think it's time to cut the cord on Jakob Silverberg. Really? I I think that it's, I mean, he is a guy that, you know, has been touted as, oh, he could score 30 goals a year. And he's never going to score 30 goals. He he might, he may have a great shot. It might look great when he, when he wires one, but uh, I it's time to cut the cord with Jakob Silverberg. He's a free agent at the end of the year. And I think that you go out and you use Jakob Silverberg and you find a team who needs who needs that type of player. In my mind, Jakob Silverberg is a third-line winger. So you go to a team that has some top-nine depth or that needs top-nine depth, uh, which obviously you do as well. Uh, but you can find a non-playoff team. Maybe Jakob Silverberg could go in and... and uh, if you if you worked it to where you said look like where do you want to play you know these teams are interested in you and they'll sign you to an extension and you are able to go out and you can acquire uh, maybe just a different looking player I just think that him as a player he needs a fresh start maybe in Anaheim he's just never going to score those thirty goals but maybe he could somewhere else yeah, maybe a team like New Jersey they could I, use him and New Jersey yeah. and Anaheim have been known to make a deal. A little bit. So, okay, let's go to the Boston Bruins, who are 19, 12, and 4, and uh, 5 and 5 in their last 10, but they have won their last two. Uh, obviously, another team carried by their top line, but they've been missing Patrice Bergeron for almost half the season. So, what do they need? Uh, yeah, I mean, health would be great, but to me, I think they need David Backus to, to get going. Um, nine points through 30 games not the kind of production you're hoping for out of a guy who's supposed to be really rounding out your top nine forward group um you know hey i mean like you said they've been getting production from their top line david Krejci's been much better than he has been the last couple of years so if you could get him to fill in that third line and and really get some production and then and then same goes for a lot of the younger guys like ryan donato um you know danton heinen guys who again were supposed to be young guys that were supposed to come in and fill out that top nine they just really haven't done it i think that would be ideal for them to get these guys going somehow yep yep and i mean even even a jake debrusque Really, twelve points in twenty-eight games. This, this team's just got nothing outside their top line, and so I think some of that has to do with you know Tory Krug hasn't been healthy all year. Charlie McAvoy hasn't has not been healthy, and and Zidona Char has missed a lot of time. I mean, this team's defense core has been ravaged like I've maybe never seen before. Right, where you know like five of their six top six defensemen were all out at one point at the same time where Matt Grizzlick was the only guy left over and so I, I think that yes you're right health is the biggest thing but you got to look at the core of this team and go all right Patrice Bergeron there's no way that he's going to be this guy for maybe another two years after this and that that's the maximum and uh, you've got all these younger guys coming up who you've been touting as players who can make a difference and no one no one has no one has really made a huge dent when given the opportunity. And now's the time. You know, guys are out. Patrice Bergeron's out. I mean, everybody's shuffled up the lineup. And to me, nobody's really risen to the occasion to where you go, oh, yeah, we'll be fine in the future. We, you know, we, 
we've got this guy coming up. Uh, to me, Boston should be targeting Artemi Panarin. Panarin said he wants to live somewhere near the ocean. And I think that Panarin would look, I mean, as a Toronto fan, that's a terrifying notion to think that Boston could could get a, a Panarin. And, and maybe he wants to go to a warmer oceanside city, but uh, Panarin would be a phenomenal addition to that Boston team and give them a second line because he could drive that second line all by himself. And suddenly you are in the likes of where Chicago was at one point when they had, you know, Patrick Kane on one line and John Tavares on another. Right. And you just fill in and around them. And so I, I do think that that would be, that's something that they, they should, they need to consider bringing in somebody. Somebody's got to come fill in that top six. And what you do is you just use the players you have in your lineup to make that deal. You deal a Jake DeBrusque or you deal a, a Denton Heinen or a Ryan Donato and you package maybe a couple of those players together and add a first round pick. And I think you've got enough for Artemi Panarin and maybe enough to actually tempt Columbus to make that move midseason because. They may not get a deal like that in the you know, well. Obviously, they're not going to get anything in the off season right. for them. And if they can go and acquire two players who maybe could play in their top nine next year, along with a first round pick, it's not a bad, it's, not a bad deal. And and to me, is Columbus going to win the cup this year? No, I don't think that's going to happen. No. So I, I almost think you have to, but yeah, uh, I don't think Columbus has got the firepower to get past Toronto or Tampa. So yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, okay, let's go to the Vegas Golden Knights. Right. Vegas. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think my most pressing need would be to find a backup goaltender. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, he's been fine. They're they're rolling a little bit more lately. They're, they've been getting better as of late. Um, but I mean, they were they were bottoms in the league and now right. they're and now they're 12th in the league, which is fine. You know, yeah, absolutely. But um, you know, Malcolm Subban hasn't really been a backup goaltender. Um his numbers are, are pretty dismal. I believe he's sitting at like an 8.88 save percentage right now. And maybe a lot of that. one. Okay. Yeah. So even worse. 0-5 in his five starts. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I The reason they're winning games is because they're just, they're playing Marc-Andre Fleury. Do you want to play him 70 games? No. I, I, I think even at his age, even though, you know, he's still in his early 30s, you, you still don't want to play Marc-Andre Fleury for, right, right. you know, 70 games. And I don't think any NHL team wants to play any goaltender 70 games now, but um, yeah, maybe you go out and you you try to acquire a, a Mike Smith or maybe go after you know Jimmy Howard. Even I don't even know, but I, hey, yeah, it's not a bad idea. I yeah, I think that what this team it showed when Nate Schmidt was suspended early on in the season. I mean that's when this team struggled, right? And when you look at their record over the last seventeen games, they have been much better. And it and since he's come back, they've been they're in securely in a playoff spot. So to me, it's not necessarily well. Nate Schmidt is the difference. It's that they don't have a lot of depth on defense. And so to me, my number one priority for this team, they have a great top nine. It doesn't necessarily, isn't packed with one player that you're like, yes, that player is driving everything, but they do have a lot of really nice pieces in that top nine. I think it's the top four defense you go after, even, even in just somebody to, to fill in your five, six uh, could help. But if, if anything, this team really should be pushing to move one of their forwards. I, I don't think they should move a draft pick because they just sent their first round pick, unfortunately, for Thomas Tatar. And so I think that this team should be using somebody in their top nine to go out and acquire a top four defenseman. And that's uh, maybe you use a mid-level pick 
or or one of your prospects. But I just don't think that this team's prospect pool is deep enough to really do that. And so, um, yeah, that's that's what I would do if I was Vegas. Okay. And uh, let's go to the aforementioned Columbus Blue Jackets. Ooh, yeah. So here's a team that probably needs, in my opinion, uh, a top six center, a, a center to to maybe either anchor the top line or the second line, mm-hmm. whichever you want to do. Um, don't get me wrong. I like Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he's fine. Um, maybe not a top line center. Maybe, I don't know. Um, maybe maybe not yet in terms maybe of not his yet. numbers, but sure. I, I do think that you are pretty secure for one of your top six right. centers. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think this team is cooling a lot on, on Winberg as a center for their top six. And so I think that's Vinberg. Vinberg. <laughs> so, and I, I think again, I don't, I still don't see Panarin signing here with this team. And so I think right now, if you're going to move him, move him and try to see if you can't get yourself a top six center, it's going to be very difficult um, because there's not a lot of teams that have top six centers. They're willing to part with that would, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Any team would be more than willing to take on Panarin, but do you want to give up a top? Six How center? about this? How about, and this is going to depend if you think that he is a guy who could who could step in and, and do this for you. How about Nazem Kadri? Okay. Along, you know, along with some piece, a first round pick. Nazem Kadri, a first round pick, and a, a mid to upper level prospect not named Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilligren. <laughs> because I don't think that, I don't think no. that they're going to, because their struggle has been on defense, I don't think that they're going to move move those guys no 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 and they expect one of those two guys to really fill in for Gardner when he's gone anyways I think that's the idea yeah would be the idea uh would would that be enough to get Panarin is Nazem Kadri that player you're looking for to plug into your let's let's say overall like he's he's a top he for sure is a top nine center absolutely and I think on most teams he's a second line center I would agree with that uh now now it's going to depend. Are you comfortable with a Luke Dubois, uh, a Dubois, Kadri, Venberg, top nine? Like, there's your top three centers without Panarin now. See, I think if you're if you're Columbus, you're okay with the idea of maybe Kadri coming in and being your number two center. I don't have a problem with that. The only problem I have is from Toronto's side. Are you willing to give up a guy who you still have signed for a couple more seasons at a reasonable price? At, at, to me, to get a is, rental. To me, this is like. We're going. We're going for it right, right now. Sure. Right. And and I think that it allows you to sign, re-sign Jake Gardner in the off season because you don't have Kadri anymore. And then you're going to go out and you're going to figure out your options at center later on. Now Pittsburgh's done it. You know they they went out and they they maneuvered and found a way to get Derek Broussard. And uh, you know I th- I think there are ways to acquire a third round a third line center uh, where you know you, they've got the top two set. It's a lot easier to get a third line center than it would be to get a top four D. I'll give you that. So keeping Jake Gardner would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. But losing Panarin after this would season, you know? would Panarin, does Panarin like gar- virtually guarantee a like? I mean, that's a Toronto Tampa Bay matchup that is as that even as even can go. You know. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. let's move on to the Montreal Canadiens, who have uh, they've also been quite a surprise. Uh, they are sitting at eight, thirteen, and five, but are a minus three goal differential. So, uh, what does Montreal need in order to maybe clinch themselves uh, in that playoff spot? Right, right now they're sitting right on the bubble. Uh, the Islanders three points behind them with two games in hand, 
would knock Montreal out of the playoffs. And so what what does Montreal need here? A little better carry price. Uh, 905 save percentage right now, which is below league average. But I think the team is up front forward-wise. They've been surprising, uh, producing a lot better. And I think they've gotten a lot more comfortable back there with Shea Weber back. He's, I mean, he's ripping the puck now, which is fantastic to watch. Uh, he looks like the old Shea Weber ripping the puck back there, which is great for great for Carey Price, great for the league. Um, however, I think just Carey Price can tune it up a little bit, you know, be a little bit, um, be a little better. This team would definitely be able to hold on, I think, to a bubble spot. I mean, that was their that's their Christmas present was getting Shea Weber back nice and yeah, early, sure. right? And uh, I, yes, I, I say yes, of course, Carey Price is better. This, you know, it's only going to help this team, but. I don't think Carey Price is better than this. I think that he's... Really? I think it's just... He has shown over the last three years that this is who he is now. A middling goaltender. And, and look so, at Halak, who's ripping it in Boston. Right, right. And, and you know, is, is there a way to get it back? Sure. And, uh, you know, but at this point, Carey Price looks like something needs to change in his game. And so, to me, uh, yeah, that's just... You're just kind of stuck with who he is maybe he can get that up to a nine one a 91 percent save percentage but uh yeah this this team to me just enjoy where you are and see what happens down the stretch don't make any moves you don't you don't need to uh to to do anything if this team doesn't make the playoffs it's not a disappointment because we didn't think they would make it anyways yeah there you go uh the new york uh, uh no no sorry 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 i'm I, pittsburgh uh, pittsburgh penguins yeah there you go. beautiful so the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first here. Please. The Penguins, to me, have been wildly inconsistent. Uh, they, you know, they just don't look like the Penguins that we've been used to uh, over the last few years. Granted, three years ago, they struggled early on. By January, they were not in the playoffs, and they ended up going and winning the Stanley Cup. And so uh, does this team have the firepower to go and and really turn things around absolutely uh, this is another team where outside of their really like their top a little more than their top their, their top line they've, they're getting some production from you know a horn fist and obviously you've got Crosby and Malkin plugging away uh, and for all the stuff about well Phil Kessel struggled he's averaging more than a point per game and so uh, it's uh, it's not like he's doing all that bad I think you just need to see a Derek Broussard start producing and if he can't, then you need to make a move. Right. Yeah. I think uh, for me, if I'm Pittsburgh, I I, I got to say, I might want to start pulling the plug on Matt Murray at some point. Yeah, he has. Uh, he's looked pretty bad. I mean, he's only started 13 games. I mean, Casey DeSmith has really almost become this team's starter. Yeah. But I mean, de facto. I mean, so do you go out and find a team maybe like uh, a Carolina who could use a starting goaltender, maybe you say, hey, you know, take Matt Murray, a guy who's shown he can backstop a team to the Stanley Cup. Maybe he catches fire, you know, in Carolina. Maybe you can just, you know, maybe you can get something out of him because I, I think they wouldn't mind, Pittsburgh wouldn't mind either getting a defenseman or even, you know, some bottom six production. So maybe you can try to flip that for something. I don't think they're trading Matt Murray. I, I, don't, I don't think, think so either. But him that quick. He's only 22 years old, 23 years old. I think that you... uh you go, hey, the beginning of your career, you were great, and maybe you came really easy. Now let's work on this. We know we can get you back here. Yeah. So that, that to me, you, you can't give up on Matt Murray yet because if Matt Murray leaves and in a year he is up for the Vesna, you're going to look real stupid. 
okay, let's go to uh, the Edmonton Oilers, who have seen a good little turnaround. 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. They are now hanging on to a playoff spot, uh, but uh, lost their last two. Lost four to one to St. Louis, which uh, not many teams lose to St. Louis, let alone four to one. So, right. uh, this Oilers team, we, I mean, we've talked at length about what this team needs, but uh, what maybe in now the Ken Hitchcock era of this team, what would what would Ken Hitchcock like to have? They need a defenseman's defenseman, um, and I, I only say that too because Darnell Nurse is going to be out for a long time. Um, he may miss the season. Right. So you need you need somebody who can step back in there and kind of solidify that back end a little bit more. Um, I don't think that's Adam Larson or Clef Baum. I think those guys do have some, you know, they're all right defensemen, but you need somebody who can come in there and, and solidify that back end. Now, again, that might be, you know, that might be a guy like, you know, you can get on the cheap like a Jay Bomeister, a guy who has proven in the past he can do that. Uh, a guy who in the last few years in St. Louis has been a little bit more of a defensive you know, guy. And so maybe you go out and get a guy like that or, or Braden Corburn out of Tampa Bay who, you know, is kind of sitting there yeah, in that, that Tampa third Bay's line, but is not gonna, no, 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 they're not going to get rid of him, but I'm just, I'm just spit spitballing ideas here. I think. Yeah. I, I think for, for Edmonton, you're, you're on the right track with St. Louis, but I think that it needs to go more along the lines of a Pareco or a Petrangelo. And I think that you do everything you need to do to go and acquire that player. Yeah, I just I think, worry about them. For one, I I don't think they have really the pieces to go out and get a guy like that. I think now you're you're going to start ripping into their, know, their got, future a little you've bit. You've got too a much. Yamamoto sitting there. You've got Jesse Poyarvi, and can you leverage those guys to go look like it just really hasn't worked out here for those guys? But maybe a St. Louis would be willing to take a flyer on one of those guys if a first round pick also comes to them. Be- I mean, to me, this team has to acquire a defenseman. Right, and so a first round pick is on, is probably on the on the docket, and that first round pick is going to be pretty valuable. I think even if they make the playoffs, they're still probably going to lose in the first round. So it is going to be in the maybe the sixteen to twenty two mark of the you know of, of the draft, and so it's still a decent pick. And uh, well, maybe yeah, maybe you'd like Edmonton to acquire a player. You need something now. You can't wait for four years down the road when, you know, Connor McDavid is past his insane years and he's slowing down ever so slightly. Like you need ever to go so for slightly. it. You need to go for this now. You need to you need yeah, to make I mean, something happen. And so you got you gotta do something ballsy and something where you're actually acquiring a player that's very good and still in their prime. So Well, okay. That's uh that's the Edmonton Oilers. Let's go to the New York Islanders. The Islanders. Wow. Well, um, I mean, you kind of you touched on it a little bit when you, you talked about moving a, a Jordan Eberle. I think now would be a good time to see what you can get from him because I think I think they got a lot of older players here, guys who, um, you know, they've just brought in to fill in spaces like um, yeah, 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 Kamarov, sure. yep. Filpula. And I think maybe now you, you try to acquire some assets, I think, because you want to. I think over the next, I don't want to say you're you're not going to rebuild, but you want to kind of re retool, reshuffle a little bit on the fly here. And I think maybe trying to get some pieces for what you can, because I don't think Jordan Airway comes back next year. Um, so with the pieces you do have in place, like Barzell, Josh Bailey, um, you know, get some some decent prospects, some picks, so that you can build around those guys here over the next couple of years really quick, and uh, maybe you know make them into a, a, a decent playoff team next year. I think you look to move a Cal Clutterbuck. 
Okay. I think Cal Clutterbuck's a guy that I would say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna move on from this player. He has a reputation in the league for being a guy who can hit, and there are teams who will pay for a guy foolishly who can hit. Yes. And so I think you go out and you you try to deal him, even if it's for a mid level pick. You you just cut ties with Cal Clutterbuck, and you begin to get away from that. Uh, like we're just going to hit at all costs type of player. And you start moving into an era where guys are getting fast. You have a Barzell build around Barzell and his, his ability to blow by guys. You need other players who are fast. You need to dump a Cal Clutterbuck. And that's, that's where I'd start. Uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yeah, this team, um, got a lot of, a lot of interesting prospects, a lot of young guys. So for me, I think this team just tries to acquire more pieces. Move guys, um, you know, maybe maybe it's an Alex Edler, um, if he's willing to move anyways. Um, move some of those other pieces. Um, you know, what other other pieces you can move to acquire assets? And by assets, I mean draft picks, more prospects, because, you know, they've got Quinton Hughes coming up. They've got, you know, a lot of good just young players. They've got a couple good goaltenders, Demko, uh, DiPietro coming up that could solidify that that goaltending that's always been troublesome for them since they got rid of Luongo and Schneider and yeah so. yeah and a player we haven't talked about is Michael Delzato who would be a great sure. you know bottom pairing addition to a guy a guy who can move the puck he can skate pretty well and uh, a decent guy in the locker room has been used to playing on lots of different teams so yes yes he, uh, <laughs> he could be a decent little moving piece there for the Canucks and a free agent at the end of the year okay the Dallas Stars a team that I think expects to make the playoffs and yet finds themselves on the outside looking in Obviously, I think for Jim Nill, it's playoffs or you're getting fired. Yeah, so, at this point, I so think. So Jim Nill's going to do something to get his team into the playoffs, and what should it be? It's got to be a top six forward. I think you have to go out and acquire some scoring because um, – or or maybe even a top four defenseman. But I, I think top six forward would be more ideal right now. I think like a Jordan Eberle, um, somebody who can come in there and produce a little bit for you because I, I hate seeing them rely so much on Ben Sagan and Radulov. Uh you know, Spets has been nice. He's been, you know, he's been decent. Um, but maybe you, you know, you, you try to get somebody else so you can shuffle things up a little bit more if you need to have a little bit more balance in your top six. An interesting player, too. Marcus Johansson and Matt Zuccarello. Zuccare- I like Zuccarello. Two, two players yeah. that are UFAs at the end of the year and two players that could fit into a lineup where, hey, you know, if you need to split up Ben and Sagan, you need to give them players to play with. And so, you know, one of them gets Radulov. And if the other one were to, let's say, get Matt Zuccarello, uh, that that could look real good on them. And Matt, Matt Zuccarello has kind of struggled, and he's he's also been hurt this year. 20 points, or 20 games, 12 points. So uh, maybe an easier guy to acquire than he would have been in the past. And, uh, and you can cut ties with him at the end of the year if you want to. So, there you go. Uh, let's go to the Minnesota Wild, who we've already talked about a little bit, but uh, Wild also. I, I Do you think that they are really desperate to make the playoffs, or is this a team that's just going to go, you know, if we're not going to make the playoffs, let's just not make the playoffs? Yeah. I, With Paul Fenton in there now. and I think you're you're at the point where you have to pick one or the other, right? And I think if you're picking not making the playoffs, right, you have to try to – I guess just acquire some young pieces because you've got a lot of a lot of guys on this team that you expected to be so good that just haven't really panned out. Like Charlie Coyle, uh, Niederreiter hasn't really been been there either. And um, you know how long can you really rely on you know Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to really carry this team? And um, you know I think at some point you just have to realize okay we're not making the playoffs because I don't think they will. 
So you have to say, okay, well, we gotta we gotta dump Eric Stahl and get what we can out of him, and I think they can get a decent return out of him. But sure. you know, teams who maybe could use a top six guy outside of you know just this season would be willing to pay a little bit more for Charlie Coyle, who's at three point two million even to acquire. So yeah, exactly. You can definitely fit. I mean, both those guys, Stahl and Coyle, you could fit both of them under your uh, under your cap very easily. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what this team does if there's a lockout, because Zach Parise he may look good in a uh, a nice mm. little buyout. Uh, you could, I don't think that they'd buy out a Ryan Suter, but Zach Parise has just been. I, I I mean, I think it's probably more likely that they don't buy out Zach Parise and that he eventually just goes on to LTIR. Oh yeah, because he's got all these back problems, right? And so we know probably eventually those are going to catch up with them, and he'll that'll be what causes him to retire. Uh, I do think, though, you could re-sign Eric Stahl, hang on to Charlie Coyle, and it's it's Nino Niederreiter that needs to go. He just he he has shown that he can produce, but he isn't doing it with this team anymore. And right. so a, a fresh start, yes, he does have four years, or well, after this season, three years left of five point two five million. But uh, I think that he could turn his game around, and he could still get you maybe something, you know. He still probably has some value around the league, and uh, he he can I think still drive a line. So yeah, and I think uh, maybe the next team on our list could be a good fit for him. Maybe if you want to start rebuilding hey, yeah. some some depth there at the fourth that's, position, that's a nice idea. So. If you could maybe you send a Nino Niederreiter one way, and then you're if Matt Zuccarello doesn't want to resign, you you kind of flip those two players. You get them both a fresh start, and if you know Minnesota can. Uh, can cut ties at the end of the year and maybe acquire picks. Pavel Bufnevich, maybe yeah. get him yeah. out of that maybe. deal. Although I don't know if the Rangers are going to be willing to give up younger players. That well, would be the only thing. Uh, but the, if if the New York Rangers, they're going to continue on this quote-unquote rebuild. I don't think even think this is much of a retooling I, other than the fact that they have Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, this is, this is a rebuild. And so uh, Nemesnikov, to me, is the guy that needs to be targeted and leave and... Uh, he looks good on a number of teams, but yeah. I, I think that you you go out and you look to acquire a, a high end, uh, a, not a first round pick, but maybe two a second and a third or second and a fourth or something like that, and uh, just keep compiling more and more nice players for the Rangers. And so this this team this is a team that's still probably four, four years away from really becoming the powerhouse that they've been that we got used to in the late two thousands early two thousand tens, and so. Uh, they just got to keep rebuilding. Now let's go to your Detroit Red Wings. Ooh, speaking of rebuilds, <laughs> let's talk Detroit. Uh, yeah, I think this is a team like we t- we we mentioned a couple names: Jimmy Howard, Gustav Nyquist, guys who can get Detroit some some decent return pieces, uh, some first round draft picks. I know Kenny Holland's come out and said he's not willing to part with Jimmy Howard for less than a first rounder. I'm not sure if that's ideal. I think if you're Detroit. Yeah, try to get a first rounder. That'd be great. But, you know, maybe take a second and a third if you can for a guy like that. Because rumor is Jimmy Howard wants to come back to Detroit. And so, um, you know, maybe you flip both these guys to a team like uh, Carolina who could use a starting goaltender, could use some top six or even top nine scoring and uh, get yourself maybe one of their their high-prized defensive prospects back in, in return and start the rebuild quicker. Now, what about the idea of, okay, let's say you flip Gustav Nyqu- Nyquist you trade Vanek, uh, who, who dude, they they all have some sort of no move 
But, uh, yeah. but I, I think if you're willing to trade them to playoff teams, you yeah, know, yeah. they'd probably waive those. Let's say you trade all those players. Um, you then maybe could use those assets to acquire other th- other players at the deadline for teams that are looking to move players. And uh, I think the Red Wings are in a, in a really nice position, a position where uh, the Leafs were actually in a position similar to this when they were quite bad. The Red oh, Wings, yeah. I think, are ahead of the Leafs when the Leafs finished dead last and then they got Austin Matthews. The, the Wings are ahead of them there uh, in terms of, you know, they, they do have some young talent right now, uh, but they can flip a lot of these UFAs and then take what they just got in the flip and acquire some players who maybe some teams are down on, like a Nino Niederreiter. Like, what if you flipped Howard, you got a first-round pick, and then you went and you turned that first-round pick into Nino Niederreiter? Hey, all right. I mean, the Wings have the cap space. If they're able, maybe you're able to deal with Nicholas Cronwall at some point, and and uh, and then you've got not only do you have assets for the future, but you have something for now. And maybe Niederreiter is able to regain form and find his uh, find his game where he, you know, he was a 50 point player and looked like one of the better left wingers in the National Hockey League. Yeah, hey, that'd be nice. Okay, let's uh, let's go to Ottawa as we've uh, approached the one hour mark of the podcast. Hour four, we'll uh, we'll chug through these last eight teams. Most of these teams are now, you know, who do these teams need to need to deal off and and start building <laughs> towards a a better tomorrow? Yeah, I think for Ottawa, their their Christmas wish list is to get Stone and Duchesne signed to long term deals because I think if you're going to rebuild around any two guys. Those would be ideal to have just be not only they're good veteran guys because they're still in their prime, but they've been in the league long enough to where they they know how to be good veterans. And so um, guys that still produce just at a tremendous rate. So get those guys signed. Then you can start your rebuild process. Yep. And start thinking about a goaltender. There you go. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Mentioned it a little earlier. I think still getting top six, top nine scoring would be great and getting a goaltender would be even better. Although I think the goaltender part's going to be a little bit more difficult for them, which is why I, again, I, I think trying to get Detroit to package a guy like Nyquist and Howard in one big, you know, one big package. Maybe you send Jake Bean the other way. Who knows? But um, let's, that would let's be say fun. Ottawa's given up on the season mm-hmm. and they go, all right, well, Craig Anderson, would you like to go to Carolina? There Carolina acquires Craig Anderson and maybe they can make a little run here towards the playoffs at the end of the season with a halfway decent goalie. Right. Yeah, you could do that. And even with a, a guy like Mike Smith, I think would even be worth taking a chance if you're not really giving up anything more than, say, a fourth, third rounder for him, you know. I would be okay with that. Okay, let's go to the Philadelphia Flyers, who finally bring up Carter Hart, who wins his first game against, unfortunately, Detroit for you. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, he didn't have to make a whole lot of saves. I think he made 20 saves out of 22. Yeah. Um, gets his first NHL win. What does this team need to, uh, or what's this team going to do? It's not necessarily about needs right now, because they, I mean, they did just fire their GM, and then their GM fired their coach, and, uh, that whole debacle that occurred. Yeah, they uh, fired him in such the the wrongest of ways. It was just oh well, yeah, just terrible. From from what I understand, uh, Chuck Fletcher did not leak anything. It was other people inside the organization that leaked that they were going to fire him. Uh, Chuck Fletcher was very upset that uh, that it went down that way because Chuck Fletcher is not a guy who would who would want to screw a guy over like that. I mean, it was it was a rough a rough uh, little situation for Dave Haxtall. but the Flyers nonetheless. Uh, maybe last year was more of an anomaly. They went on that crazy run. They lost like ten in a row, and then they won a hundred in a row. And they, yeah. where they went, and, uh, a lot. I mean, Jordan Wheel, Michael Roffel, Wayne Simmons, Yuri Laterra, uh, all free agents along with Michael Newverth, and so a lot of guys coming off the books. 
this team maybe should just hit the reset button for next year and and go after some free agents like they always have the ability to right use their money to their advantage use the ability to sign guys to big signing bonuses because they have the cash right and i think you could deal a guy like wayne simmons maybe to a team like toronto right who could really enjoy his presence on their top nine yeah um (laughs) but i mean i I mean you could deal him anywhere really because i think a lot of teams would be more than willing to to knock on the door of chuck fletcher be like hey we'll we'll take him we'll take him because i don't think he re-signs there um and then i i think honestly philly got their their christmas present you know carter hart coming in he's looked pretty decent hopefully he just continues it for them yeah but unfortunately i think carter hart will eventually get sent back down yeah i don't think he's i don't think he's up there to stay i think they'll get back uh alex lyon and He'll go back down and keep being the, the number one guy down in the American Hockey League. Uh, let's go to the Florida Panthers, a team that uh, was really expected to at least compete for a playoff spot. Right now, nine points out of it, a minus 14 goal differential. This team just got blown up by the Leafs, and uh, now they'll take on Detroit tonight. But uh, this team, to me, seems like there's something there's something wrong with this team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, when Luongo's playing, they're generally pretty good. But, I mean, you, you, even bringing in Mike Hoffman has just not allowed this team defensively to uh, to do enough. No, I think for me, offensively. what this team would need more than anything else is a new head coach, honestly. I think they need a little bit more structure, a guy with a little bit more um, defensive-mindedness to him, like a you know Ken Hitchcock type guy who can solidify that back end. Um, you know, maybe Joel Quinville is a good fit for this guy, for this team next year. Wow. Yeah, Joel Quinville going to that small of a market, I just can't see it. Uh, yeah, I don't either. But, um, I mean, they could use a guy with that kind of experience and that kind of knowledge, obviously, would be fantastic for them. So, for me, that's that's what I would want if I'm the Florida Panthers. I, but I think you need to make a big move. And, and okay. obviously, this team's missing Vinny Trocek. And so, I think as a team and an organization, you're going to go, well, do we really want to do we really want to blow this team up? when we're missing our our second center and and maybe shoot again for next year but something needs to change with this team i i think that you either need to look at moving bukestad or you know maybe maybe it's a jonathan huberdo that you need to look into moving because he's wow. at a reasonable cap hit you could you could probably acquire some some solid talent from a huberdo i know it sounds crazy to deal one of those guys you know in this league where everybody has these you know, all right, here we, we have our core and we're going to build around our core. Sometimes one of those players in that core needs to change. So it wow. may be too early. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. But uh, at very least, you know, you're going to trade a Troy Brower, a Michael Haley, Alex Petrovic. All these guys are free agents at the end of the year. And so probably you'll look to acquire some draft picks and such for those players. Okay, let's go to the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, poor Corey Crawford again. Out with a concussion. Guy uh, cannot catch a break. Yeah, that's terrible. And it, and it might be at the point, too, where now you you have to start, if you're Corey Crawford, start thinking about your long-term health outside of hockey. And it's getting to the point now where I, I start to worry that maybe he's going to start contemplating retiring soon. And if that happens, this team is really in trouble. Um, so for me, I, I I don't know. Do you do you really consider the possibility of saying, hey, uh, Patrick Kane, we could get a King's Ransom for you. Do you, do you want to? wave your claws so we can move you to a, a team i don't think you're there yet okay i don't think you're there yet i think that you are gonna just ride this season you're gonna see what happens with this lockout because this lockout could really change their fortunes with brent seabrook right if they're allowed to just buy him out i think that that really starts to 
to move things in in the right direction and and they'll have a lot of cap space uh even next year i mean they've got 18 million dollars in cap space with really only a, a couple guys to resign there um, you've got alex to for another two years at his entry level and so I, I think you can start to maybe reshape this team and in my mind i think that uh that Bowman gets one more shot at this. He's going to get this offseason and the next. See if he can turn this around, and if he can't, then he'll he'll be fired. Okay, let's go to the New Jersey Devils. Four more teams, and uh, the New Jersey Devils maybe shot the moon. On the chopping block. Well, I mean, you, you're going to move. You need to move Ben Lovejoy. Uh, ben Lovejoy was a big part of this. I think you move him, you can get probably get more than you should for him just because he does have that pedigree and uh, he will come on cheap in terms of his, his contract. And uh, and Brian Boyle as well, you can, I'm sure, acquire some mid-level draft picks. Yeah, there's always coming in. Guy who's very good at the penalty kill, great leadership, and he's just he wins every face off too. He's fantastic at that, so that's never discounted. Come playoff time for sure. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't I, disagree with really. That. I think it's a you know you're trying to look for who who is someone willing to take Travis Zajac from you right now? Boy, because if you can, that's difficult. Just get that salary out of there, Travis Zajac, or even a Kyle Palmieri. I mean. 27 years old. He's got three years left on his deal. Two after this season. Uh, I don't. I don't get rid of Cal Parmeri. He's he's scoring too many goals right now. on there but yeah you need that next and and Zajac hasn't been that guy so uh, let's go St. Louis Blues a team that was expected to uh, be very good in the central and they have really fallen off the map Tarasenko looks like a shell of himself uh, yeah what who needs to be dealt on this team aside uh, from the coach know, <laughs> pa- well yeah aside from Patrick Maroon who's a free agent at the end of the year uh, Jay Bomeister also a free agent at the end of the year I mean you can those are easy ones. Uh, I, I'm I'm looking at Alex Steen and going, this okay. is a guy that this team should be fighting to move, uh, eat some of his salary if you need to, and we'll see what happens with this next lockout too. I mean, you know, there's always there's always some options there. Uh, Boy, Boz- Bozak at five million, not looking so good anymore, is it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you? I mean, you you have to move Peter. Peter Angelo or or Perenko at some point. I mean, don't you? I think I, I, one of those two guys. I think you're probably going to have to. You can't yeah. lose both of them no. at the end of at the end of next season. But uh, <laughs> okay, let's go Arizona Coyotes. Ooh, a team that man once again finds themselves at the bottom of the. I, I mean, I 
manager what's his, what's his name i can't think john something right why can't i think of his name uh that's okay so i mean he's this this has been the analytics test is uh you know the way that they've been constructing their team and it just doesn't seem to be working at all no and i john chica there you go chica yep 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 he uh they they definitely miss like a top six forward who can drive production, you know, like your Taylor Halls, your, uh, you know, Artemi Pernarens, somebody who can come in there and really just drive a top line for them. Cause I think they've, they've got a good back end. They've got good goaltending when healthy. Um, although that does seem to be the problem. So let's see Clay, like Clayton Keller is not as good as they were. I think they were hoping that he would be. No. And he's still young enough. He's, he's, he's good. He's, he's, he's still good, but he's not going to be your, the top guy who drives the whole line um, no, from the wing. And don't get me wrong. I, I still think there's time for him to maybe regain form. Uh, you know, he could be, you know, your, your 60, 70 point player, which would be fine. Um, but I think they made too many plays on guys like, um, you know, Derek Stepan, uh, Henestrosa, you know, Grabner guys, Galchenyuk guys who they thought could come in and regain form and just, you know, play better than they, they've shown they have been with their previous teams. And I think it just is kind of blown up in their faces a little bit. Um, and maybe that's because they're looking too much on the analytical side and forgetting about that good old eye test. So, yep. Yep. That's fair. Uh, okay. Let's go last team in the NHL. We've made it. Let's go with the LA Kings. LA. Wow. Um, boy, they need a whole bunch of stuff, but I think it's time to move Jeff Carter. Yep. I honestly. agree. That's exactly who I would say. Yep. Jeff Carter all the way. Yep, move him, get some younger pieces, see what you can do, because no team's taking Dustin Brown in his contract right now. Uh, you're, you're definitely not dealing Kopitar, so I think Jeff Carter is probably your next big trade piece. Yeah, and, and the, the Kovalchuk signing is looking a little suspect. Uh, you could you could deal in Alec Martinez, but I think he makes a little too much, and so you'd have to probably eat some of his uh, his salary. Yeah, Jake uh, Muzzin wouldn't be a bad move either. I think he'd be okay. Um, you know, looking at a lot of teams, again, who need – defensive defenseman back there jake muzzin could be a guy who could step in there and you could get a decent you know maybe get a a third round and a prospect a second round pick for maybe um we'll see if that plays out how desperate teams get but yeah for me jeff carter's the big move to bring in a young piece all right sounds great well that is all 31 nhl teams and what they need for christmas show 100 show number 100 thanks for making these first hundred episodes great and uh we will you know talk to you over the next hundred Cheers.